guys, welcome to another incredible episode of Freedom Declassified Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Brassfield, and tonight I guarantee you, everybody who's listening, I don't care if you're driving a truck from here to Pennsylvania or you're driving way out to Washington, you want to be a part of our program right now, right here. This is probably one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done, and I'll tell you why. I have a special guest on Freedom Declassified today, and she is so special that I cannot even, to protect her and her family, call her by her real name. So we're going to call her Jane Doe, and I'm going to tell you why. The reason is, is she is from Iran, and she lives here in the United States, and she is a legal immigrant. And what I wanted to do in this program, for everybody who's listening, is everybody has this television identity of Iran. And a lot of people in the South, you probably couldn't even pick out Iran on a map if you tried. No offense. I've lived in the South. I was born in, outside of Memphis. I get it. You're in the Midwest. All you hear is negative things about Iran, like me outside of St. Louis, if you live in the Northeast, you really don't pay attention to anything that's going on with Iran because you're too caught up in the other political bullshit that's going on in the Northeast. If you live out West, you, you really still, again, most people don't know or have never met someone from the country of Iran. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I learned real quick so that everybody can understand how to pronounce the country right. I learned today that there's three ways to pronounce it, and one is the proper way, and I'm probably going to say it all three ways through this program because just like everybody who's listening, I probably have said it all three ways. But if you were to pronounce the country of Iran, you might hear somebody say Iran or Iran, but it's actually been brought to my attention, if you were to write it on a piece of paper in English, if you had a pen with you or a pencil, or if you're just imagining this and you're driving down the road, and you heard or wrote down the letters or thought of the letters E-E-E-R-A-N, E-R-A-N, that is the proper pronunciation of that country. Now, Iran has been in the news a lot lately, and we're going to talk about, um, obviously, the, the Trump tactics that's taken place over the last uh, 30 days. We're also going to talk about that Nikki Haley, um, former ambassador to the United Nations, just tweeted something significant about Iran. But I want to tell you how important it is that you and I, the listener, and I am so blessed to be able to interview this young lady that is from that country, and she has lived through hell and back, and she's going to go into detail. I'm pretty much just going to ask a question and let her kind of educate us here at Freedom Declassified about not only the country of Iran, but what it was like to live under the Ayatollah. 
before she came to America. Now, later in the program, I will be giving you her Twitter handle. She probably will be doing that as well. Um, I personally, even though I'm interviewing her on this program, I do not know her real name. This is a very, very important interview, and I want to make sure that everybody understands that if you just heard the first five minutes of this intro to Freedom Declassified, you want to stay on the show. It's going to be special. So with that being said, I want to welcome in <laughs> Mrs. Jane Doe, uh, who's now a legal American citizen, but she was born and lived in the country of Iran. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Adam. I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Or thank your podcast. you so much for <laughs> Oh yeah. Hey, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate you taking not only the time but the risk to help educate, you know, a hundred thousand plus people that listen to this program every single week on the country and and we're going to go down through a list of questions and and i want to be absolutely transparent with people i i me and her have talked several times to where i know what lines i can't cross and um i want her however to be we've been talking about doing this for almost a month now you and i so it's it's (laughs) fine yeah it's finally it's finally happening and so i'm glad that everybody is on so the first question that I, I, I pose to you is, tell me about, without telling me your name or anybody else who's listening, tell me, how, tell me when you were born, um, or if you can, tell me how long uh, you, you were in Iran. Okay, well, first of all, it's a pleasure. Um, and uh, you can actually go ahead and call me Sky, which is my... Twitter name. I think a lot of people know me by that name. Um, and going to your question, I actually I was born in Iran, um, so I am you know Persian by birth, and I lived there till I believe it was uh, somewhere in 1992 when I moved out and went to Canada with my family. Um, so I did go through. Uh, I was three years old, three and a half years old when the revolution happened. And um, obviously right after it was an eight-year war between Iraq and Iran. And after that, shortly after that, you know, um, we had ways to get to Canada. And then my family actually went back to Iran. And I stayed there and attended school and college. And then from then, um, you know, there on I moved to the States. So I've been here nearly, I would say, about two decades so you've been you've been in America now for two decades, but nearly two decades. Two thousand nearly. Yeah, okay. When I All right. So, but you were. I, I noticed something that you just said. You were you were there through. It's it's amazing to me. Um, now that I can call you Sky with your permission. Yeah. It's course. amazing to me that let's say you let's say you've been in the United States nearly legally by the way I want everybody to listen to this legally yeah um, you've been here legally for nearly two decades and it is still at a place where certain subjects and certain names and certain things about 
your life um, basically still has to be uh, covered up to protect you and and your and your family. And I'm sure you probably still have dissident family uh, in the country of Iran, and we all know how they 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 treat um, um, people who are outspoken there. And it's amazing to me how you still have to live under a shadow. Does that surprise you? Um, it's not surprising, but to be honest with you, it, uh, it started becoming this way ever since I started um, tweeting. So when I started being you know, present on Twitter is when I started getting you know, some death threats and you know, certain uh, messages that were a little bit alarming, and I had friends, um, you know, that have, you know, um, official posts in the government, and they were telling me, you know, this could cause a national security issue if they, you know, they, if people want to come after you for, one, being an apostate, second, you know, always talking about Islam, which, you know, obviously, apparently a no-no, <laughs> and, um, you know, and everything what I say is an usually, when you say apostate, when you when you just said that, I guarantee you, there's twenty five thousand rednecks that just said, did she say, did she just say prostate? Uh, no, no, no. Apostate, <laughs> so, apostate. so what apostate is basically is somebody who converts um, from Islam. So you leave Islam behind. Now, as for me, I was born into it. You know, basically in Iran, you know, the major religion right now in Islam. You know, that's about what ninety percent of the country. And yes. or even more, um, so it kind of goes back that you're born into it. Um, my family was t thankfully never, you know, practicing Muslims. Um, so yes, I did convert, which then would make me basically, you know, an apostate. Which in Islam, if you convert, your punishment is death. Now some so people is that obviously considered like the same word as infidel. That would that yes, be? Yes, it's the same. It it's, it's exactly the same. So the same yeah. thing. So people who yeah. are listening. Yeah, uh, and then, um, you know, the reason... basically said the, the, the word for infidel, yes. Yes, and the reason, um, you know, it started on Twitter was because I was more vocal. Um, I actually started back a few years ago, you know, with family and talking about, you know, uh, when Donald Trump started running, talking about Donald Trump on, on uh, Facebook, but then I do have a lot of family members in California and in, in, in the U.S., that are liberals. So my mom kept getting phone calls <laughs> that, you know, do you see what she's posting and she's pro-Trump and this and that. So I figured, you know what, this is not working out, so let's just move to Twitter. Prior to that, I was not really worried about my, you know, identity. Um, my, my husband is actually American, American-born. His family, you know, dates back to the Mayflower. And um, he's actually been to Iran with me three times ever since, um, or since 2003. So wow. that being said, and the fact that when we were there, you ha we had to sign a paper saying that he actually converted to Islam to make sure that he would be allowed to get a visa to visit. So um, it's not something that if you go there, that? you can just say, hey, I'm a Christian, you know. Right. How did he feel, how did he feel right how did he how how did he feel and, um, about going there with he, you said he's been there with you three times yes he he was scared the first time but um, to be honest if you don't well if you don't really mess with the government you're fine 
you know, so we just went there for sightseeing, and a lot of the things actually we went and saw together I had never seen before because I major, you know, for the largest portion sure. of my life, I was in Tehran, and I never really, you know, traveled as a kid as much for, you know, to just sightsee. So there's, like, all the remains of the, you know, Persian Empire, and, you know, there's, uh, you know, Cyrus's tomb, all that kind of stuff. So he was really excited to go, and he had a great time all three times. The you know second and third time he wasn't as scared because like I said if you don't mess with the government they don't really you know bother you right. but you do have to have family members to go you know to go there otherwise you know they're not just going to sure I mean I mean uh, you know, they're, they're not they're not going to accept Adam Brasfield you know coming to to Tehran and doing a live podcast obviously uh, yeah and he and he was definitely questioned you know upon arrival. He was taken into a room for a few hours and questioned and checked, and his background was checked, you know, ahead of time for a month. Um, but, yeah, but he's been there. Wow. And then since we got back, the last time we got back, that's when I started becoming vocal about, you know, the fact that I had converted. And now with Twitter, it's just it's not an option for us to go there. And I have other family you, members, you know, my father that keeps coming and going. I was just fixing to ask you, do you think you'll ever be able to go back? Um. It depends if the regime changes. I don't think I'm going to risk it if it hasn't, you know, until it does. Right. Sure. Uh, but sure. like I said, my family members come and go all the time. So yes. that's mainly why I keep everything private, more or less. Sure. Sure. You know. Well, it, for, for, for the people that are, are listening to this program, and again, what an incredible interview and opportunity I have here at Freedom to Classified to um, – to really be able to dig down deep into the country of Iran and, and the people there, um, what is the biggest misconception that you have found? And I'm going to say Western countries, but more along the lines of, you know, United States citizens. When, when, when it doesn't matter where you're at, you can be in a quick stop, a gas station, you can be in a McDonald's somewhere, um, you can be anywhere. When somebody um, mentions the country Iran, every everybody literally has an opinion, and it's and it all they see is the Ayatollah. They really haven't studied the history that back in the '60s and '70s, Iran looked like Los Angeles, California. Well, I mean, women is, were allowed to wear bathing suits. I mean, guys were walking around with no shirts on. Uh, if you look at some of the pictures in the history. Back in the 60s and 70s, way before the Ayatollah took control, and I'm going to let you tell the, the people how that happened, but what is the biggest misconception that, that we as United States, either government or citizens, have about Iranian people? Um, the biggest misconception is that I would say the first thing that comes to mind is that they think we're an Arab na nation. And no offense to Arab nations, but that is a huge insult to any real Persian. Because, you know, Islam was brought in and forced on the Persian, you know, uh, empire. Uh, and that was about 600, I want to say, after death. Um, so it was heavily rejected at first. And, um, you know, when, when Muhammad actually sent a messenger to, you know, talk about Islam and 
um, you know, basically invite Persians to let Islam basically run, they, uh, you know, the, the, the king back then, which was Khosrow Parviz, he actually sent his messenger back and he told them never to come, again, come back here again, which then, you know, uh, Muhammad actually uh, said that he's going to destroy the Persian Empire from that point on, which eventually he brought it down to what it is today. So the biggest misconception, again, the big pet peeve is we're not Arabs, we don't know Arabic, we don't, when you look at Iraq and Iran, it's not the same. They're not, you know, people are not the same, the culture is not the same. You know, it is a collectivist culture, but that's generally like, you know, in the Middle East, but still very different from anything that goes back to the Arab nation. And then, so you're telling me that if somebody – when and, and I'm going to just go ahead and tell you that most – and you've probably experienced this living here, that probably the, fir, the first thing that and, – and I'm going to set myself right there in, in that same boat, even though I have been to the Middle East several, several times. Um, so if somebody said – uh, somebody from Iran that they would label you Arabic, that is an insult to, to you. It is not only an insult, or, or to, to the be people honest. Of Iran. I would, to the people yes, of Iran is what I'm saying. Yes. Not only it would be an insult, I would personally, which I'm sure it's like that with, I would say, a good 98% of you know, Persians, they would just look at the person thinking, you know what, you have no clue, you're uneducated, you have low IQ. That would be my first perception of anybody who tells me, um, can you translate this and it's in Arabic? I'm like, no, I cannot. <laughs> or, you wow. know, uh, you know, or did you have to, like, cover your, you know, did you show your eyes in Iran? Yeah, it's not an Arab nation, so it doesn't look like Saudi Arabia or any other countries surrounding it, you know. <laughs> right. So uh, not to say that, you know, uh, women in Iran don't have to cover today. They do. But it is a completely different, um, you know, setting than any other. Well, that's what I was Arab saying nation. is, when I was doing uh, over the last month since you and I have been messaging about doing this interview, and again, um, if you're just tuning in, you, you, this is an interview you do not want to miss here on Freedom Declassified. Um, you're learning a history lesson about Iran. Uh, something that I even – I'm learning stuff in this interview that I never knew. And to be completely honest with you, it's eye-awakening for me because when you say things like you just said, um, when somebody says the word Arabic, to be completely honest with you, without doing the research that I did before this interview, I would have never and even still never known – what you just said, that that word is kind of like, if I were to go, you know, uh, and visit, which they would never let me there, and or I'd be one of those guys who ends up there for 100 years in a jail cell, um, they, if I ever said the word Arabic in the country of Iran, that would be considered an insult. And I think people need to understand, that's a very important word that people that are listening to this program need to understand that not everybody in the Middle East is Arabic. They don't all speak the same damn language. And if you go and just Google 
Iran, 1960s, 1970s, you the and look just look at the images on Google. And I and I and I'm you, people who listen to this program know how much I hate Google and how much they've already censored me and did all kinds of other shit, but I'm telling you it'll blow your mind because what you're thinking of as before the Ayatollah and what is currently going on in that country, that's why President Trump, and I'm talking to the listeners here for just a second, Sky, that's why President Trump keeps saying that there is so much potential in yeah, Iran. Absolutely. The potential, absolutely. The potential is in, uh, it's limitless. It's because the country was taken over against the will of the people by an Ayatollah. Now, we'll get there here in a few minutes. But to piggyback on what you were talking about, Sky, um, before the program, I, I, you know, I, I, everybody knows I, I do my due diligence to introduce everybody how they want to be um, introduced, and I, I explain to people how they want to be introduced. And that comes from any of our guests, from our military guests, from um, anybody. It doesn't matter if I'm interviewing a politician or or – if I'm interviewing an idiot, it doesn't matter. I always respect. And so when we were talking before uh, the program on, you know, do, do and I was asking Sky straight up, do I call you a um, an Iranian, you know, defector? Do I? And she quickly corrected me and made sure that she wanted to be called – uh, a Persian immigrant from Iran. And that's why I think the people that are listening and all across America need to be educated about this country because, to tell you the truth, in the last month, because I knew this interview was coming, I probably have asked 50 people in different states. I have even asked candidates that I have worked for politically in the past, they have no, including myself, no clue about how you're about to be educated about the people, the real people of Iran. So let's go from there. So the, the, the big, the big um, Ayatollah, how did, tell us how this happened. How did Iran go from being the Persian... L.A., beach-going, beautiful country to the Ayatollah. Okay, so to put it in, in simple format, basically, without getting too political, and, um, and I have to say this because I have tweeted about this just so everybody knows. Um, it's not that I know everything there is to know about Iranian, you know, Iran's politic or how the revolution happened, but I do have more insight than some of the general population because my family, I come from a family who my uncle was a, you know, two of my uncles, they were governors during the past regime. Um, I have several family members that were the Secret Service for the Shah, you know, they worked for him directly. So you get a little bit more of the, you know, it's just like if you are a family of a governor here, for example, you have a little bit more insight as to how things happen. 
Yes, um, so that said, and without getting too political, basically, you know, I always say that, you know, Islam basically took over. You know, they brought in Islam 500, 600 BC, and from that point on, they started to infla- you know, infiltrate. Um, the thing is, though, until uh, 1979, they were not able to actually, you know, put, basically mix religion and, um, you know, and, and the government. Like, it wasn't mixed in together. So, right. you know, that is when, you know, when you say separation of state and religion, it's really actually, you know, it's a good thing. So what happened, basically what, happened, what is happening to our liberals today I look at all these kids, especially being in California, near Berkeley, San Francisco, and, um, you know, Oakland, you talk to people, and all they think about is free this, free that. So what happened in, you know, in 79, aside from the political, like really deeply political-rooted things, which was, you know, the influence of, you know, first France and England and, um, you know, the, the role that Jimmy Carter played into everything, um, people were promised free things, free education. If you go back and do your research, and not just your you know, typical Google or Wikipedia research that usually people do, you'll see that they were promised free housing, free education, free health care, those three things. So, and, and where that started, it started in schools, which is why in 79 the major revolution happened when all the students revolted against you know, the government, and that did, you know, so, so when I look at America, and it's really scary and disheartening at the same time, and it just makes me sad, is that I see the pattern, I see the same exact, you know, uh, arguments from all these students, and they think they know, which they did back then too, you know, in Iran, and now when you talk to those same people who have grown up, like, you know, people that are my father's age, and they're they just they're just regretful because you know nothing is free and the minute somebody offers you free stuff you should know there's a problem otherwise so you you're know, telling I mean, me real quick but and I don't mean to interrupt you but I want you to I want you to catch up here but just to clarify I want I want to make sure that I'm I'm clarifying what you're saying right so the listeners understand you're saying to me that in in in, in and around about seventy nine the the Ayatollah or the Shah that that they were promising all of the people, you know, basically free health care, free this, free that, basically like the Democratic Party is doing in the United States. Is exactly. that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly, verbatim. I mean, if you look, it's actually, they're written. They're, you know, they have written about this. I mean, there is literally verbatim saying, you know, what they offer free housing, free health care, free education. They, um, you know, they told everybody gas is going to be next to nothing. And my father actually worked for the oil company, the National Oil Company. So <laughs> um, obviously he was like, yeah, that's not going to happen, <laughs> but that's what they were promised. So they, it was that aspect. It was the aspect that, you know, um, the Ayatollahs or the Islamists, they started, um, you know, telling people that, um, the, you know, the past regime or the Shah, they were not only corrupt, but they were, they were there was no, you know, there was lack of morals. And, um, you know, and then obviously the influence of other countries and having oil and, and being that Shah wanted to um, become, 
you know, one of the superpowers. I mean, he was on his way to, you know, to become a very strong con- country, especially with the military. So um, all that put that together like very, basically brought yeah. the country down. But but you can't really change a country without changing its foundation. And that's where you go to schools and you start, you know, filling people's heads with garbage. And that's exactly what's happening in our schools right now with our education system right now, which is why my, you know, I myself, I put my kid in a private school. Not because, you know, I'm so afraid that, you know, I mean, he, he hears all this stuff from me, you know, he, he, he sees what's happened you know, to my family firsthand. But I just don't, don't see a reason when he can spend that time studying math why he should study something that is absolutely irrelevant and it's a complete lie. You know, instead of I him worrying about free school and somebody agree. else paying for his school, why not worry about do the hard work, either get a scholarship or work your way, just like, it, you know, we did or I did. So, right. so and I, and I but yeah, you, but the country, the con- what is that? I think you'll find that, that we 100% agree on that. I, I, I have three boys, and, um, you know, my, my youngest will never darken the day of a public school in this country. Yeah, it, unfortunately, it, it, it our, our public school has – I mean, uh, my son was in public school till he was um, in the beginning of se- second grade. And the minute they started, you know, teaching things that were absolutely irrelevant and not even appropriate for an eight-year-old, I pulled them out because, you know, I've seen firsthand what happens when people do that. You know, when, when so the Ayatollah, people... okay, so the, the Ayatollah takes over, and, and now you've pretty much explained basically, and if for everybody who's listening, let me just break this down because you just got educated. This is what happens when you vote for a liberal and i hate to say it and and sky may disagree and i'm not asking her to agree or disagree i'm telling you this this is what happens when people offer you free this free that it's a form of socialism communism it is a way to control every aspect of your life if you don't believe me just listen to what she just said when the Ayatollah was trying to come into power, the Shah, in Iran, they were offering free housing. You know, the gas prices were going to go down. Where have we heard this before, America? Maybe Barack Obama, maybe Hillary Clinton. I mean, it's not like we gotta we got to go back too far to find out, wait a minute, this shit sounds familiar. And... I think it's important what you're saying, and this is why I believe in, 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 in divine intervention, and I, and I, I definitely believe in destiny, uh, that you are able to come on our program because I can sit here all day long and say, you know, look, Hillary Clinton's bad for our country. Bernie Sanders is bad for our country. Um, Elizabeth Warren is bad for our country. But to hear somebody come from not only a foreign nation, but to come from the country of Iran, where the reason that they are where they're at right now, which is basically living off the ground, 
is because they believed and bought into, and I'm going to use the word socialist or communist, but in their terms, the, the, they used, and this is what upsets me about Iran, and this is starting to happen in the United States, if you're not careful. They used religious means to take over a country. And that is, that's kind of, you've got to be careful with that. Um, and I think that's why you see all the headache. We'll get into that here in a minute, too. I want to stay on topic. I just wanted to break from that a second. But so from, from your time in Iran, the big, big news about Iran right now is, obviously, we slapped back on the sanctions. Um, we, we killed uh, Qasim Soleimani. You, you have to uh, correct me if I said that wrong. Um, but we, we, we smoked his ass because he pretty much was funding Hezbollah. And for everybody who's listening, a lot of the money that your past president, Barack Obama, gave to Iran in the middle of the night on pallets went to Soleimani to help fund Hezbollah, which is launching they're, – they're trying to start World War, World War Three or Four or Five, wherever we're at. I'm, it just depends on if John Bolton's involved. But whatever, whichever World War we're in, he was a part of that. And there was a – he, he attacked the United States Embassy in, in Baghdad. And from your point, Sky, tell me what it was like as a little girl – and the, the atrocities that you've seen in Iran, the, the, the breakdown of you know, human rights atrocities, and kind of tell me a little bit more about Soleimani that most people don't know. Because he's, sure. he was in power for a long time. Sure, no problem. Um, so just touching back on that you know, um, last point that you had, uh, with the whole socialism and offering free stuff, one of the main things that I've seen happening here as well, which is what they did in Iran, they tap into people's emotions. That's the first thing they do. Because in, you know, generally people are good. You know, they want to do good. They want to be good. They want to be remembered as somebody who did good. You know? And that's you know, the general population anywhere you go, really. Um, so the first thing they do, they, they make you feel guilty. And this is something that um, I specifically actually wanted to bring up because I, I spoke to my son about a week ago. And um, he asked me how, you know, they make you feel sorry for other countries. And if, if a country is bad or, you know, a government is bad, why is it that some people, you know, say, well, you know, like they did with Soleimani, oh, my gosh, you know, they assassinated him, right? So what right. I told him, I said, I, said, I gave him an example. I said, imagine how much you love your dog. And people know that you're a dog lover. So the first thing they're going to do, they're going to come and say, you know what, this person is such a horrible person. And you say, why? They say, because, well, they beat dogs. You know, they don't feed them. They abuse them. How do you feel about that person? He goes, well, I think they're monsters. I said, that's exactly how they do it. So they come and give you information, which is not necessarily true just to tab into your emotion. And unfortunately, what I see with American you know, people, 
um, from the time I moved here is that they want to be good, and on the way of wanting to accomplish that, they buy into so much garbage and so much you know, misrepresentation of things and people that it's just, it, it kind of makes you look you know, puzzled. Sometimes I look at them and I'm like, you know what, I, I just feel sorry for you. <laughs> You know, because that's not real no, you life. Don't have that's, to. You know, not everything yeah. is, you know, roses and, you know, what is the expression? It's not, it's not everything's perfect. It's not a fairy tale. And yeah. if, you know, if they hate you, it's not because, oh, my gosh, America came and meddled. No. There's a reason for that, and that goes to the second point you were asking me. So I was born before the revolution. I was three and a half years old when, um, you know, when it all went down. And my faintest memories from then, obviously, you know, it's funny, too, because here in America they tell me it's a PTSD. I never knew about PTSD until, you know, somebody told me, oh, you know, that, that kind of sounds like that. Because <laughs> right. we've been, you know, we go through so much that you hear everybody's like, oh, my God, Trump is talking, and now I have PTSD. And I'm thinking, are you serious? <laughs> Do you realize what people actually go through? <laughs> and your PTSD yeah. is because the president is the one you don't like? Um, so going back to the revolution, I, I can remember distinctly, and I think I've tweeted about this, when I was three and a half and when things changed, at first, obviously, they didn't force uh, women to cover. That came after, shortly after. And I remember the day that um, I was uh, with my mom. We were in a taxi, and we were, we were trying to get from one house to, for, from our house to my grandma's house. And, um, you know, the taxi driver didn't know what to do because, you know, there were millions of people on the street. They were all screaming and yelling at women that were not covered. My mom wasn't covered. You know, she was wearing a skirt and no, you know, scarf or anything. And we were terrified. And I was three and a half years old. She was 22. So she was very young herself. And all I can remember is just running out of the taxi cab because the guy was telling us, okay, if you guys don't get out, they're going to basically, you know, turn my cap you know, upside down. So we ran into this house. Um, we just knocked on some building, some door. Some lady opened the door, you know, let my mom in. My mom's like all terrified because they're like screaming at her. They're like, you know, you're a whore. You should be raped. You know, you're an infidel, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're thinking, you know, just a short while ago, a few weeks ago, you were saying life is going to get better. We're going to get free stuff. Everything's going to get better. What happened? And all of a sudden now you're forcing people to do things they don't want to do. So we ran into the house. You know, somebody threw a, you know, sheet. I remember distinctly it was a white sheet with like little roses on it over my mom just so she can cover herself so she wouldn't be raped. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Give me a second. (laughs) No, no, that is... That is so powerful. That uh, God bless. I, I I don't. There's nothing anybody can say. It's so, okay. So yeah. So when I see American women throwing a scarf on their head, that is the American flag. It it literally makes me sick to my stomach. Okay. You know I don't find it powerful, empowering. I don't find it funny. I don't find it beautiful because it's not. All it is is just a symbol of, you know, putting women down. Right. 
I'm sorry, I need to take it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> take your emotional. time. No, this is this is good. I'm I'm glad you're. I'm glad. Maybe this is some sort of therapy. Maybe <laughs> you're making me I, cry. I, I mean, I'm sitting here, and I think Jason's cry. Jason's over there crying. <laughs> I, this is not <clears throat> usually something that you know people, especially Persian people, we're not into the whole you know therapy and psychology thing. Uh, and it's funny because I always tell people in Iran, the two uh, poorest, uh, basically, uh, people are either lawyers or psychologists. Yeah. <laughs> I can <laughs> That's see why. <laughs> well, first of all, you know, if you're a lawyer, you really can't do much because Islamic yeah. laws basically tell you what you need right. to do. And uh, if you're a you know, psychologist, well, you know, we have family, so we don't need somebody else telling us how to feel. So uh, we don't need safe spaces. In other words, uh, so that's yeah, one. So, that's <laughs> one. That's one kind of. You know, that was personal. I mean, that's that's something that happened. I mean, they're screaming at your mother that they they're calling her a, a. And I'm using your words, a whore. She should be raped. She's an infidel. And just a few weeks before, you know, this this massive takeover, they were talking about free housing, free health care. Everybody's exactly. going to have this freedom and. And everybody's going to live in bliss. And in America, we would equate that to, hey, everybody's going to run around, smoke weed, you can snort coke, and we're all going to we're all going to be free and happy and run around butt ass naked, you know, from state to state. Nobody's going to care. And that's what the liberals and the Democrats are telling you. And and it for you to equate that, I'm going to be honest with you. And I hate that term because as soon as somebody says, I'm going to be honest with you, the first thing I think of is they're lying to me. So let me change that. What you just equated to me and how you educated me on your fears for the United States on based upon what your family has seen in Iran, it speaks to the heart of me. And I think to everybody who is listening, if you can – Add two plus two, you can understand what Sky is telling you. Now that rhyme yeah, probably is... will become a rap song someday uh, <laughs> when we're dead. But I'm just saying, you're seeing similarities to what you've seen. Now let's go from there. Let's so let's, let's yeah. Talk. So that was the earliest memory that I have from you know '79. And, What's the worst um, thing you saw? If you can, if you could, if you can spare it. What is that? What is the worst thing that you saw? Um, while so yeah, so that was were, uh, yeah, that was one. And then from that point on, another thing. I mean, I you know, I mean, terrible. <laughs> another thing I was gonna say was, you know, when you brought Soleimani. So Soleimani was one of the people that came with Khomeini. So he was basically one of his first, you know, right hand, basically. And um, so he was one of the people that has, you know, committed some of the worst, you know, crimes of all times. I mean, I hear liberals talk about anti-Semitism and about slavery, and, and all of a sudden you see somebody, you know, like Rose McGowan talk about, oh, we're, we're sorry, you know, we apologize to Iran for Donald Trump taking out somebody who was a monster. <laughs> I'm thinking, you are absolutely clueless. You are right. just, you better just, you know, not talk, just zip it, you know, because you don't know what you're talking about. So... With that said, you know, going back to 79, you know, when they came and they started, you know, changing everything, 
And one of the other earlier um, memories that I have, when I was uh, seven years old, um, six and a half, seven is when you started you know, going to school there. So obviously you have to be covered and all that, even though in Islam technically at age of nine is when girls are supposed to be covered up. So, um, but when you go to school, you have a you know, uniform, and a part of that uniform is a head cover. So you would, we would go to school every day. Every morning we had what was called it, kind of the equivalent of the you know, Pledge of Allegiance here that is not there anymore, but you know, all the students used to get together, basically you know, sing the anthem. And at the end of it, well, at the end of it was always you know, death to America, death to Israel, death to UK. So when that was done, they would hand out, at the beginning of every quarter, they would hand out these, uh, uh, these piggy banks. They, they either looked like tanks, you know, they were just, you know, your basically boy, you know, toys, you know, like a tank right. or a grenade or a Humvee. Usually there were tanks or uh, grenades. And they would ask you to, that if you're a good little Muslim and a good little Iranian that you would, you know, put your allowances in there and bring it back to help Hezbollah. It was all for Hezbollah. So from the day I remember, they would say it. They would say it that way. Oh yeah, of course, of course. We had we had all these, you know, rhymes and everything that we would, you know, shout out, or we had to, you know, we had to repeat. And they, so they Hezbollah would is the number one. Hezbollah. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean that's that's what a little it's it's a little puzzling to me because i'm pretty sure you might even be able to go on youtube and find videos of people that uh iranians that have actually you know posted things from their school back then i'm not sure if there's any but i i would be surprised if there's none i know there's modern stuff but but to but to know that it started immediately when when the oh, you know, they've, they've always, it, it was never a, you know, secret thing. And the reason Hezbollah and Hamas, sometimes they don't go hand in hand is because one is a Sunni base, one is a Shia base. So they have their own issues together. But at the end of the day, you know, I, from, like I said, six, seven years old, it, it's a common knowledge. We help Hezbollah. Iran helps. You know, that's what we did. Or indirectly, you know, Iran helped Hezbollah. So it's kind of surprising right. to me to, for people to even question that or think that, you know, all of a sudden Donald Trump, because they hate him, he's making up something when, you know, it's, it's a common knowledge or it should be. Right. So that's me too. Another, I, I actually have that same feeling. Yeah. So they, they brainwash you from very early age that, you know what, um, you know, you, we need your money basically to put the enemy away, and these are the enemies. And to be honest with you, they don't, when you're a kid that age, when you're that young, it doesn't take much to tell you why, you know, somebody is bad. You just have to tell them, oh, they kill people. You pretty much buy into it. Now, sure. given that Iran is not a, you know, uh, Arab nation, and to be honest with you, very soon, like soon after the revolution, people woke up. It was just a little too late, though, by then, <laughs> that, okay, these are not the people we thought they were. So the majority of people, I would say, they started not even getting involved. But in school, you have to because there was only private, you know, public schools, and you, you had to. You know, go through those. You had to go through classes where you had to learn Arabic. And the funny thing is, I can tell you, up until age of 16, we had to take Arabic classes, kind of like when you take, um, what do you call it, Spanish here, you know? Mm -hmm. I, couldn't, I could tell you 
that it would be very, very hard to find a Persian who would speak or understand a, a word of Arabic just based on going to school and learning it for 12 years. <laughs> because we all dodged it. We all just memorized what we needed for the, cla- for the class. And that was it. Because it's just wow. not something that the general population appreciates. And yes, there are people who know it and know it well, but that's a very small po- you know, population. And that's you know, basically the pro-regime people. Or so there are some people that are just you know, very religious aside from, you know, they might not be Islamist necessarily, but they are very religious. So they know how to, you know, read the Quran and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, everything was forced. So you learn well, it just to pass the class. <laughs> right, right, right. And I, then, and then fast forward, that. you can fast forward then till I was 13, which was another, you know, uh, these are all like you were asking about my experiences with Islam and how it affects yes. you personally, you know. So I was 13 years old. I was sexually assaulted, but nobody could find out because when you go and if, if you were to go and file a complaint, first you have to make sure the person By who? you're filing. By who? Uh, it was, I mean, it was a guy. It was a 35-year-old um, guy who uh, basically – it, he he was going to this school. It was in an English school that I w- that I w- used to go to. So he would be. Um, I can't really get into the details of that. No, it's okay. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm asking you: Was this somebody from the from the government? Um, yes or no? Or you know, if you don't want to touch it, that's fine. But it, my thing is: Is how were you? I mean. I don't want to even know any details. So he was uh, okay. So so this is what I can tell 13 you. Thirteen years old this, being sexually assaulted in in Iran, that that's a big deal that nobody knows about. Yes. So so basically, what happened was that there was a school that teaches English, and it's well known. I used to go to that school. In there Tehran, was a, in, 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 yes. in Tehran. Yes, in Tehran. And um, so after school twice a week, I used to go to the school to learn English, which, you know, really doesn't teach much. Teach, Why would they teach much. you English? Uh, that is technically the second or third language that they teach in schools. In Iran, they're teaching yeah, the that's, second that's or third. One of the so like we learn Spanish have. here mm-hmm. because we border up against, you know, uh, Latin countries like Mexico or Mexican countries, however you want to say it, South American, uh, they, they teach Spanish here in high school. But in Iran, they're teaching you English. And I'm trying to think of all the countries that surround you that speak even a second language of English. And the only one I can come up with is the UK, which is a long ways from Iran. Why, why do you think they were trying to teach you English? Well, I'm not sure, but that was always the second language. I mean, I'm assuming because, you know, obviously they wanted, you know, education is really, like it's a really big deal in Iran. So in Iran, if you have like a, you know, if you come and say, you know, like it, it makes me laugh sometimes when I look at, you know, people like Ocasio-Cortez, you come and say, I have a degree, you know, a liberal art degree, they'll, you, you might as well just say you have a high school degree. <laughs> so education right. is and important. And, and this English is in Iran. Is, if you say you have a liberal arts degree, 
they laugh at you there. Yeah, yeah okay, whatever. Yeah, basically you didn't do well enough, and that's like the bare minimum that you could accomplish. But well, I'd be the so, life of the party in Iran, maybe. <laughs> I would be like, hey, they're making fun of this dude. Yeah, go ahead. So, so English, yes, it was the second, technically the second language. It wasn't even Arabic. Arabic was supposed to be you know, just something you learn so you can understand Quran or the religion, but English was officially the second language. So from the time you enter, I don't know how it is now. I believe it starts earlier now. But back then, when I was there, it would start when you hit middle school. So it was one of our classes. Um, so anyway, because of that, my dad also you know, registered me, registered me at this um, school that was specifically for English. So I would go and learn. And there, was a, uh, there were like several stores um, right by that school. So I, uh, with a friend, you know, it's kind of like a mall. So with my friends, we would go into these malls and everything. So one of the stores that we went into, there was this guy who later I found out he was a 35-year-old guy. And when I went there with my friend, it was the end of the, basically it was closing time. So they basically brought down the curtains, shut down the thing, and, you know, um, it's, right. thankfully it wasn't rape because somebody sure. did barge in. Um, but, uh, you know, I was 13 and I found out, like, like I said later, when, you know, my, my uncle went to pay him a visit that he was a 35 year old guy. So, um, now the reason I take issue with Islam so much is that's one of the things that if you don't have witnesses, if, the person has family members in the government or they're well-connected or they can pay somebody off, which at that point he could, uh, you better not even say anything. You might as well just keep it to yourself because it, it would go against, you know, basically would not benefit you, but it would also make life very difficult for yourself or your family and, you know, everybody you're in contact with. So that's, that, that was another thing. So, uh, it is true when they say if you are raped in a Islamic country, and this is I'm specifically talking about Iran, you have to have three or four male witnesses that you were raped. Otherwise, well, you either brought it on yourself or you're the one who's going to you know, be punished. Now, you tell me what four guys who are willing to testify you were raped would be standing there letting somebody rape you. <laughs> It's just beyond me. When they probably know they're going to be put to death as well as somebody well, who's Well, no, it's just it's not going to happen. I mean, either, either yeah. they're a part of that crowd who's doing, you know, committing the crime, or it's not going to be anybody around. So it's your word against the guy, which is really worth nothing in Islam. How did that shape your, how did that shape your life after that? I mean, you know, personally speaking, how did that, how did that affect you? Did you ever talk to your parents about it? Um, yeah, my, my, my mom knew about it. My dad didn't. Um, yeah. It just basically just went away. We just didn't talk about it, and, you know, <laughs> easy as that. You know That's why, again. I, and, I, and, I, and I use the term funny as an analogy, not because, but think about this, America, what you're listening to. Think about what you're – if you can put – and again, I go to 2 plus 2 equals 4. What you're listening to is, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I interviewed on this program Juanita Broadwick. And she's coming to the Midwest to do a book signing with me on, on uh, May 23rd. 
but you're listening now to what I have been trying to explain to you for several weeks is now you have a witness to atrocities that are actually starting to happen just in America, just like they have happened. There's a correlation, in other words, of what Sky is telling us and educating us on the country of Iran, of what's going on in America right now, uh, i.e. Jeffrey Epstein, i.e. Harvey Weinstein. And, and I could name a thousand of them that are liberal, 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 liberal. They love up against the Clinton, the, the Clinton crime family. They love up against Oprah. They love up against Hollywood. But at the end of the day, there's one or two stories that has been told. Number one, hey, vote for me. Everything's for free. Or number two, there seems to always be a liberal in the middle of a sexual assault here in America, and if it's not a liberal that's in the middle of it, they have connections, i.e. Ed Buck and Adam Schiff. And to me, it's like, okay, America, either you have been hypnotized, and I'm, an, I'm a full-blown, grown American citizen, and I'm sitting here for the first time. I want everybody to understand. I'm hearing what you're hearing for the first time just like you. And I'm saying to myself, she's not describing the Ayatollah. She's describing the Democratic Party. And I'm going to have to save the rest of my comments there for another uh, podcast because we are an explicit – and I have a, a tendency to – once I start going off, I <laughs> use uh, words that I probably shouldn't on the show, and we just go from there. But – Sky, how did you recover? So you say, well, we just go on from that. Well, yeah, you just, that's obviously you just, a scar on you, though. It's all, it's, it hurts deep down inside because you remember it. To be honest with you, you know, yes, you do remember it, and it shapes what you do, the situations you put yourself in or you try not to put yourself in. So, um, you know, going, and you going to Canada, living there by myself, um, I've always been on guard, <laughs> yeah. but um, and and you know obviously that wasn't the first time that you know I've actually had two incidences, um, but but you're married you know, now. Just, you have just, children you, and all this yeah. stuff is, is. You just you just basically faith. learn to you know to move on, and honestly, it never um, it really didn't hit me all of this until the whole thing with Kavanaugh happened and I heard all these women, you know, talking about sexual assault and how, you know, Christine Ford was not remembering anything and, and it just made me think and I'm thinking, you know what, this happened to me a good about 30 years ago. 30 at the time with Kavanaugh, that was like 29 years ago, right? Or 29 years prior. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I remember everything. I remember every detail. I remember every smell, every sound, everything. So it, it and and then all this it, and you can tell when people are making things up, you know. You can oh, tell when yeah. it doesn't add Trust up. Me. 
you I know, when it doesn't add up. Way. Now, everybody's experience is different. Not that, you know, not to say that, you know, nobody forgets and nobody this and that. Correct. But you, you know Correct. when somebody's been hurt. Um, so the, all this really never ca- came out, you know, until that whole thing happened. And that was actually the first time I told my husband about it. And, wow. you know, and he was just floored about it. Um, but in Iran, it's just, you know, it happens a lot and you just, you know, you just shut up and move on, you know, otherwise your so life is ruined. So does happen a lot in Iran. Yeah, and, and the thing is too, you know, like I said, it's changed a lot since I've been there, not as in how the government would treat you, but people just, you know, now, you know, like for example, at my, when I was there, had anybody known I was sexually assaulted, say I wanted to get married, there's a good chance nobody would want to marry me. Whereas now it's not like that because that's not how the younger generation works. They're like, okay, well, you know, you were assaulted. I'm sorry, you know. So that do doesn't, do, you know. And I'm going to ask you a question because Hollywood, and and forgive me, Sky, because I, I you you you're, you have to understand that um, 90% of American citizens, other than the people that you hang around with, don't know any of this stuff. And we're learning this as you're telling us on this podcast, Freedom to Classified. So, do they? Re- so, um, th- Hollywood makes up this this deal, and they may not make it. They, they may actually doing this, but they do they really like bury women up to their shoulders and stone them to death in Iran? They- they have done that. They have done those, you know, we've had cases like those. There are many that people don't know about. Usually that happens in, um, I would say, more more of the uneducated areas, um, you know, s- smaller cities that are, ex- you know, extremely religious. It's kind of your, diff- you know, a difference between, like, say, L.A., or San Francisco right. versus, I don't know, some city in, you know, Tennessee, some small, like, town in Tennessee. Got you. So, yeah, Got in a you. town like that, then it would happen. Nobody mm-hmm. would know anything. There are honor killings, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then when you go to bigger cities that, you know, where people are educated and, and you know, people are more open to things, then, um, no, it doesn't happen. But, God forbid, the minute you you know, your life is intertwined with the government, then that's when you're pretty much, you know, out of luck. So So, um, I was going to fast forward to like when I was another, actually I think I was like 14 when um, I actually had gone out with my mom who looked very young. So, you know, she's only 17 years older than me. So everybody thought, you know, we were sisters. We were actually pulled... um, into, you know, they called us, they, they held us and called us to pull us into this van, which is one of those, you know, the Revolutionary Guard. Or, oh, Revolutionary Guard, okay. Yeah, guards, yeah. It's basically, it's called the, you know, morality police. So uh, my mom, you know, my hair was showing, obviously, and my mom had nail polishes, so they, they stopped us. They wanted to take us, you know, into the van, take us to their station. And the one thing you've got to learn is that you do not get into the damn van. Once you get in there, God yeah. knows what's going to happen to you after that. If you're going to get, you know, you're going to get booked right. in, you're going to get uh, raped, you're going to get sodomized, you're going to probably, a lot of people end up dead without their families knowing where they are, you know, so you do not want to get into that van as, you know, you fight it as much as you can. <laughs> 
so being, ask, how do you how do you stop it? Well, that being said, that was near where we were living, and my dad was very well known from the prior, you know, uh, regime and then the new regime and yeah, all that. Yes. The administration, yeah, he he was he had some contacts. So the second they pulled up, you know, they they you know they were talking to us or trying to pull us into the car uh, or the van. Um, somebody actually went and got my dad because we were only a few minutes away from the house. So my dad came and he started just, you know, yelling and screaming and basically telling them, you know, uh, you use, you know, it was so funny because I remember that verbatim even to this day when he was telling them. So I go work and provide you with oil and gas to put it in your car and come and, you know, uh, assault, you know, assault my family and take my family away. That's not going to happen. And and he dropped a few names, and if, immediately they're like, okay, they backed off. At some point, they were begging him to just, okay, take your wife and your daughter and go away <laughs> because they were so wow. worried that it's not wow. going to be good, you know. But those things happen like on a regular basis, even now. You know, there are times uh, where they even say it ahead of time. Hey, you know, you come out. You know, you have nail polish, you have this, you have that. You know, they bus everybody. They come in and with buses take everybody. And you're lucky if, you know, you are not. You, you basically have, I would say, about a good, I don't know, 12 to 13 hours if somebody, if you, ha- you know somebody who can get you out before you're booked. If you're booked, you're done, especially for a girl. Um, right. So that, that was another thing I had. And I've had family members, which as, as recent as, two or three years ago that my cousin was sentenced to, um, I think it was 199 lashes because he was at, he was at a party where there, were beer, there was beer. So the person that right, actually – Right now, alcohol pro- is illegal right there? Yes. Am, I, am I right? Okay. Yes. yes. So the person that provided the alcohol – I died the first day. Yeah, well, the guy that provided everything had 1,000 lashes to his name, which he did get. Um, with my cousin, we knew people. How do they, people, do they so, break that up, or do they give it all at one time? Obviously, a thousand lashes. Say, yeah, I'm those just... ones they break up. Depending on how many it is, they break it up. But I mean, it is you know, it's not like your lash with your, you know, with your typical. I don't know what your mom might have used right. to, Can, you know, yeah, leather. <laughs> teach you a lesson. Is, it's like cables. Yeah. It's like really thick cables. So it it digs into your back. So. My, my cousin was only 23 years old at the time, I believe, 22 or 23. So we did everything we could and finally found a judge who took money. We, you know, and in Iran, obviously, right now, especially the dollar conversion is very high. So we just helped you know, pay the guy, which in, you know, it turned out to be somewhere around $4,500 in American money to just you know, make sure that this goes away. He doesn't get the lashes, which he didn't at the end. But we've had so many. And my, my sister, she moved here about 10 years ago. Prior to that, she's had so many encounters where, you know, she was pulled over in a car and she just, you know, they wanted to pull her out of the car and she just slammed, you know, her foot on the gas <laughs> and yeah. went home and told my dad, you need to go take care of this because otherwise they're coming for me. But, you know, I was, like I said, not everybody is lucky. We were lucky that we had you know, our dad knew people and not even, you know, I mean, it, some people have even better contacts and better, you know, uh, you know, people that can save them. 
we were okay here and there because he had a few connections. But there, but most people, like you know, ninety percent of people don't have that. So you better yeah, not do something that. Yeah, that's what I was just fixing that, to say is. You, yeah, I mean, you if they come for you, you're in done. The lap of God's favor, <laughs> yeah, and and no, and I don't know, and I, and this is something I wanted to ask you. I, I I you and I have talked about this is. You converted. Um, to Christianity. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about how that happened? Actually, I want you to I want you to expand on that and explain to the people that are listening how, what took how did you how, how did you come to a place to where you you said to yourself, okay, and I and I I hate to say it like this, but you know, as a Christian and a lifelong Christian, as a son of a father who was the chancellor of a very large Christian university, uh, how did you come to a point in your life and when to basically convert from Islam to Christianity? So my immediate family and and even some of my extended family, like I said, m- most of them, you know, everybody's been born into Islam. So major- the majority of them don't practice Islam. So, um, you know, like, th- you know, they're not Islamist because it's not, the way I explain it to people is that m- for most Persians, Islam is not embedded in you. Whereas with Arabs, that's, you know, that they've, they've been you know, they've they've adopted Islam since you know 1,400 years ago. So so it's a little different, but again, there are families who take it very seriously, and some that don't. My family didn't. Now, as far as me becoming a Christian, you know, sometimes you just have your intuition. So as a kid, we never practiced, and I always knew something was just off. You know, it just can't be right. And luckily, my dad had a few Catholic friends, and we used to hang out a lot. So I remember when I was seven, I think, seven or eight, or even maybe younger, um, I found a cross in the street, and I kept it, and I still have that cross. And I kept it, and, um, you know, I had it in, like, one of my little chests. I didn't tell anybody about it. didn't even tell my – yes. And, yeah, I was there until I was 16. So – I um, so I kept that, and I loved going to their houses because they would have Christmas and they would talk about you know they would read the Bible, so it was always something that was in the back of my mind. And when time um, you know came that we moved and we were able to, I was able to even you know um, you know t- go basically find out about what Christianity is and you know, studied that avenue, I was already in Canada, and um, I started, you know, talking to friends, I went into local churches uh, to see the difference, you know, and, and in Iran, just so you know, they do teach uh, the basics of Christianity and, you know, uh, other religions as well, and anything but atheism or, you know, Baha'i, Baha'is are, no, they don't do well in Iran, but the major religions, as they call it, they do teach those. So, so they teach Christianity um, in, a, in Iran. 
No, they don't teach it as in they teach it as in, you know, the, they um, teach the, they teach the Bible, but they tell you, okay, there was, you know, there were, you know, five major pro- prophets who are Abraham, Noah, uh, or Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and then there comes their Muhammad, right? So right. they do teach that as in, you know, because they have to translate Quran, which is pretty much a version, a, you know, different version of the Torah, so Correct. they talk about Jesus, but they do believe that he was a prophet, you know, not, you know, a son of God. Uh, so, um, so that's the basics. And then, you know, Catholics and, you know, other religions, they really need to keep their uh, communities tight because they're not allowed to preach or convert anybody. Because technically, based on Islam, is that if you convert to a previous religion, then you're an infidel because you're going backwards. And the foundation, gotcha. and the reason I have issues with Islam, and it's funny because people tell me, they're like, you know, not every, the first thing you hear from it, especially a liberal, well, not every Muslim is bad. Well, I didn't say every Muslim is bad. First of all, the majority of them are born into it, or some of them, at least from Iran, are born into it. A lot of them don't even, you know, I mean, Iranians are known to drink and do all sorts of things that have nothing to do with Islam. So um, it's not about Muslim necessarily, because a lot of them are not even considered Muslim by laws of by real Islamic laws, but it is the foundation of Islam itself that I have an issue with. And, you know, that's something I've had an issue based on experience for years. So that's, the one, that's what I criticize, not the people themselves necessarily. But the foundation where this, this is where I'm getting off topic, but when they say, when people say, you know what, Islam can be reformed, I have an issue with that. Because for something to be reformed, the foundation should be basically okay, and then you make changes to it. But if you change, if you want to reform Islam, you have to change the foundation. And if you change the foundation, then it's not Islam anymore. Because the foundation says you have to follow the teachings of Muhammad. He wrote Quran. He supposedly was the one person that Quran was, you know, miraculously, you know, it was a miraculous thing that he started writing it when he didn't know how to read and write, which that's a whole other story. But right. um, so, so if you want to reform it, you might as well just call it something else and change it altogether because the foundation is false. Which is kind of ironic about this too, uh, no pun intended. But what, um, what's kind of, that made me rephrase that. What's kind of crazy about this is that, you know, you hear from a lot of, of um, Islamics or, uh, or Muslims, and they make the. It's very important that they make the journey to Saudi Arabia, uh, quote unquote, where uh, Muhammad yeah, Maka, is Maka. buried. Right. Okay. So, my question is: in Iran, you know, once the revolution took place. And they consider that I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm assuming. Do I say this? Am I saying this right when I say that Iran right now is pretty much under Sharia law? Is that correct? Yes, and it's and okay. It's so if, if, but if it's, it's majority under, Shia, okay, it's it's majority Shia. But the Ayatollah, you know, I mean, as a Muslim or somebody you're born into it, it, like you say, you're born into it. Like I was born into Christianity, so you're born into it. Mm-hmm. And the the greatest thing for a uh, a Muslim, from what I understand, from my Muslim friends, and yes, everybody who's listening, I do have friends who are Muslim. Um, they help educate me on on the um, 
you know, I, I would say the religion. But their greatest gift is going to Saudi Arabia. And what I can't understand is how the Iranian or Iranian, however you want to pronounce it, people have such a disdain for Saudi Arabia, but yet teach that it is, as a religious order, that it is so important for for them to go and visit Mecca. So, okay, so the, the reason they do that, first of all, Shiites think, you know how I just told you that Islam is supposedly the last religion? So you're going, you know, to say Christianity, that means you're going backwards. So backwards, Shiites right. believe that, you know, Shia, you know Islam, Islam under Shia is a lot more complete. So if you're going to a, becoming a Sunni, it's the same as kind of, you know, converting to some other religion, you might as well, because that is going backwards. So they think they are, you know, m- you know above the Sunnis as far as how much more, I, for lack of a better word, Islamic they are. So, so that, you're saying that Iranians, Iranians uh, think the that they yeah, are the above the, the, the Saudi Arabians? Yes. They, they actually do believe that they are the better ones, more complete, more, you know, you know, more, uh, what do you call it? Like, it's, the, it's kind of like they are the latest version. Like, they're the Islam yeah, they're, 2.0. They're, they're, <laughs> right, they're, right, 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 right. So they're, they're basically, they know Muhammad better than the Saudi Arabians. Well, know. they're just, they're just 2.0. They completed it. You know, they made it better. They added on to it. It's kind of like your so iPhone they, 8 versus yeah. iPhone 11, you know, better version yeah. of it. <laughs> I hate all of them. Yeah, exactly. I I, so, you know, I have. I, mean, I still get them. So, so, so obviously, in, so in, in, in Iran, did they? It, when you, when you earlier, you were talking about in school when they were talking about Hezbollah and they're t- you're born into it. So, did they teach you that 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 visit to Mecca is important to Saudi Arabia, or did they stay away from Saudi Arabia altogether? No, it's okay. What they say, first of all, in Iran, they don't bash Saudi Arabia directly ever, but they do bash, you know, Sunnis. Basically, in right. in in schools, they do not teach you to become a Sunni or want you to be a Sunni. If you are, you are a minority, just like a Christian. Which is why they have so many issues with, you know, the Kurds. Kurds are generally the majority of them are Sunnis. And so when the regime changed, you know, which my, my mom's family are Kurds, right? So my, one of my, my uh, uncles who was my, uh, you know, from my mom's side, he, he was a governor. But after the revolution, aside from being that he worked for the past regime, he was also a Sunni. A Sunni cannot get into high offices in Iran. They're not allowed to. They don't let them get to the highest offices because they are a minority just like Christians. So, and, and another example I have for you is, you know, it, with, with the Iranian regime, a lot of people don't understand. It all comes down to what benefits you. If it were only... Iran versus the Arabic countries or the, the Sunni countries, Iran thinks it's above all. So they would be the enemy. 
But when it comes to including Western countries, then it's in the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Mm-hmm. So, for right. example, years ago when, they, when Iranian people sent, um, you know, uh, blood, basically, a blood bank basically sent blood to uh, Palestine to help them, Palestinians returned them because they said those are Shia bloods and they don't want them. <laughs> oh, wow. So, oh, yeah. So, so with the Iranian regime, like I said, most people don't understand, is it, it, it's all about what works for me and the enemy is my enemy, you know, which is why Hezbollah well, and Hamas are not really technically under the same belief system, or, yeah. but they are both working towards the same you know, goal which is taking over. But if time comes where there's going to be Sunnis and Shias, trust me, the Shias are going to wipe all the Sunnis out. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> all I was the just going to say, it, it'll, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a civil war. It'll be, okay. Yeah. So, so that brings me to a, to a, a really good point here. And, 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 man, this is so educational. I love having you on. And I know that the people that are listening to this are addicted to this as much as I am listening and we're going to have you back on to talk about more stuff. But I want to I kind of go back to something real quick. And you now as an American citizen know this, but during the Obama administration, um, basically a, a, a government trip was sent to Syria um, w- with John McCain being the, the, the lead on this. And um, – I may offend a lot of people that are listening, but everybody here knows how I feel about John McCain. If you don't, you're an idiot. Um, (laughs) He basically met with al-Baghdadi, and there's pictures of this. Uh, There's there's actually video of this, of him during during this civil war in Syria, during the Obama administration, where people were being gassed, and people were being, I mean, I mean, and, 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 I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of the people that were being gassed and killed were Kurds. Um, and I'm going to say this whole statement, and you correct me where I'm wrong, and then tell me the story behind it. But the Democrats in the United States right now are, are so against Donald Trump taking out Soleimani because he was, quote, unquote, fighting ISIS harder than anybody. Well, but wouldn't well, okay. that be because he is, I mean, he was fighting the, he wasn't necessarily fighting Baghdadi, he was fighting the, Sunnis. the Kurds? The, the Sunnis. Sunnis. And Kurds and Sunnis, yeah. This is another thing people don't understand. I mean, he was a really critical... So it's a misconception critical... that people are being told. Yeah, they are, they are, well, Soleimani was, first of all, he was a very critical, you know, important person for this regime, number one. And second, no, he didn't do it out of, you know, the goodness of his heart for the Kurds or for Americans. It's, it all comes down to what I said is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. He did it because once, one, they are against Sunnis anyway. And number two, they don't want ISIS to come and take over. You know, I mean, it is, ISIS is their enemy, too, because they're Sunnis. They don't recognize Iranians or Iranian regime as an Islamic regime, really. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're just a terrorist group. So he wasn't doing it for the, you know, 
for the American people or Western people. He or wasn't Kurds. doing it out of the love of his heart. No, to help no, that. because no, the yeah. first thing the first thing Iran, you know, Iranian regime did when they took over, they basically went in went in with tanks to the Kurd section of Iran and tried to wipe it out. And the reason I right. know that is because my aunts and uncles lived, you know, in the west of Iran in that city, which is it's called Sanandaj, um, in the Kurdistan. It's the province of Kurdistan. They lived there, right? And if you go even even now, there are houses when you see, uh, you know, the the RPG holes in the houses, like the the giant like RPG hole, holes and you know bullets and everything. And that was the government itself that came and just ran, you know through the town basically or the city. So right. no, he doesn't have he didn't he didn't have a soft spot for anybody. He was doing what he needed to do and what Iranian regime needs to do to stay in power. And that is, you know, so the if it happens to be fighting ISIS well then we it just is. got rid of a The left is trying uh, and, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but the but the Democrats are trying to label Soleimani as some sort of ally to the United States because he was fighting ISIS harder than we were. No, no. Basically, Iranian regime is not an ally to anybody. It really, it, that, you know, it all comes down to that. I mean, people can tell you different. Okay. They can just, you know, try to sugarcoat it. No. Iranian regime is for Iranian regime. Anybody that is against it is going to go down. Anybody, you know, that threatens it is going to go down. <laughs> you know, that's, that's their perception it's or that's their right. you know their goal so it doesn't matter if it's an arab country if it's a you know christian country if it's israel it doesn't matter if it's against it then you know they're a target so that's just and and the funny thing is and well, not funny really it's ironic they they do the same to their own people it's not like, you know, they have a soft spot. They're going to, you know, all of a sudden have a soft spot for Rose McGowan. Right. <laughs> I mean, to them, this is like, and, and I hate to be crude, but people don't understand. To them, everybody else is rats. So how do you treat rats in New York? Do you look at them and be like, oh, my gosh, it's a rat, probably has babies? No, you don't. It's a rat. You kill it. And yeah. that's how the Iranian regime is, which is why when I think, I believe it was 2008 or nine, you know, when the green movement happened where, you know, there was a, you know, kind of uh, protesting going on in Iran. It was one of the biggest ones for, you know, after so many years and people were hoping Obama would help, which is a whole different, you know, topic. But um, it was the Iranian regime who, you know, killed a bunch of people who took protesters in. I know personally of people who, um, you know, uh, ran away from the country because they were raped, because their families were raped as a uh, punishment um, for, the, for them protesting. I know of a father who protested, and that was a friend of a friend, um, and that one actually sure. hit me the hardest that um, his three-year-old was taken and uh, basically abused and raped in front of him as a lesson to never go against the government. So that is the regime you're talking about. You're talking about a bunch of sociopaths that have one goal, want to take the you know, entire world. So you can sit and sugarcoat it and say they're your friends. No, they're not. I, I don't care who you are. They're not your friends. 
They were you know, power Nikki money. Haley, Nikki Haley, former ambassador of the UN, she just came a tweet here um, in the last 48 hours, and um, she had a question. She said, why is the UN so silent over the 1,500 protesters that have been killed in Iran? Actually, she corrected it not too long after that in Tehran, which is in Iran, but in one city, 1,500 protesters that were killed in the last month. Why do you think the UN is so silent on this? Well, for several, you know, several reasons. First, you know, there are people. What does the who UN have to gain from Iran, though? I'm sure they get. You know, I mean, I I don't want to be like you know sounding like one of those conspiracy theorists because it's not a conspiracy. You talk to a ten year old in Iran would know more about about politics and what have what is happening than a 35 year old Berkeley student. I'm not joking. You can like literally talk to any family in Iran and their little kids can tell you some of the stuff I tell you. So why does the UN do this? They all have hand, their hands in together. I mean they want to, you know, they, they get paid. Uh, they make deals. They make side deals. They don't want wars. And, and to be honest with you, like me personally, I am anti-war. And the reason I'm anti-war is not that I don't want Iran to change. I don't want, you know, it's not that. I want Iran to change. I want it to get better. But there are several issues. First of all, I'm more of an America first because before I want to go fight for, you know, Iran or somebody else, whether in, you know, words or however, I want to keep America what it was, what it is, because that's why I came here, and which is another thing that I don't understand. When people come here and they want to change it, it's like, then why the hell are you coming here if you want to change it? Go back to where right. you were comfortable. So I'm all for America first, and I think we got our own issues. So I don't necessarily think that we should send out our troops and our people and our you know, veterans. I have a lot of veteran friends. I would hate for them to see, you know, you know, to see their families killed or themselves or whatever, you know? I don't think that's a good idea. So I'm sure. not, you know, all pro-war. But sometimes it's a necessary evil. That's what I always say. As far as Iran goes, I think that people need to, um, you know, they need to rise. But at the same time, which is something you and I have spoken before when you said, you know, um, I think one of your questions for me was, you know, do you think it will change? Um, honestly, I don't think it would change much. And the reason I say that, yes, this regime might go, but the problem, the biggest problem Iranians are facing right now is that they don't have anybody to take over. You know? So there's, there is this group, which is called MEC, which a lot of people don't know about, and it's actually quite scary because I see them, I see Americans follow them on, um, on Twitter all the time. And, um, are they you were saying MEC? MEC? M-E-K. They're, they're -E called um, -E yeah they're called the Mujahideen Khalq. This group basically came with Khomeini, and then later they kind of separated their ways and they became a kind of a terror group or a militia or you know you know if right. you want to call it that. And they are just they're worse you know same or you know worse than ISIS. I mean, you know, and, and they are first So why are line. so many Americans following But them? listen, to this, that's, that's because they are being backed. For some reason, this is a group that now all of a sudden says that they are, you know, they are moderate and they, want, they have been wanting to take over the country for almost like 30, 35 years now. So, 
but they are no different from the you know the, this regime they lately they've been just preaching that they're a milder version and it seems like you know a lot of you know uh, Americans they're they're especially backed by France and seems like they just you know the countries that want a regime change in Iran they're thinking okay well we're gonna have somebody in power who can work with us it's all why are I they backed about, by France uh, they grew there. They're, you know, like I said, they because this group basically is working with governments. So, from my understanding, is that they prefer to have people take over the, you know, take over Iran who will work with them, as opposed to being their opposite and causing so many, you know, problems. I see. But when you, but if you talk to Iranian people in Iran, about 85% of people or 90% of people would, you know, don't want to have anything to do with them because they're thinking, well, at least this regime, we, we already are used to them. We know what they're about. Whereas these guys, no, they're just, you know, brutal. And then there is also, you know, Shah's son, who is basically the crown prince. But, and that's really what, you know, the majority of, you know, people want back. Right. But then he's got his own issues here. And also, um, in my opinion, he's just not, you know, he, he doesn't have the backing he needs from either other governments or even, you know, enough people here to make a difference. So my, my biggest issue with Iran and change is that who will take over? Is it going to get worse or better? But, right, you so know, I, but when I, I, I talk, I, what is that? Go ahead. But when I talk to, say, my cousins in Iran, which I have, you know, about 50, 60 cousins and aunts and uncles and, you know, most of my family, a lot of my family live there. So when I talk to them, and, and it's, it's kind of funny in a sad way, my cousins always tell me, well, when are these American soldiers going to come and take over so we can marry an American, so American you know? So it's basically oh, everybody's like, okay, uh, you know, just come and take these guys away. And it's kind of like, you know, our lives are not good anyway, so might as well, you know, have a war. It's kind That's of so sad, sad. No. you know. So and then there are sad. other people which, you know, they're thinking, well, no, it should be us who changes the regime. We don't want some foreign country coming in, you know, marching in our streets. And, you know, and, and I understand that too. But all that said, I mean, when you say UN, UN is useless. We shouldn't even be paying them anything. They don't do anything for anybody. My opinion, and, they shouldn't even you know, be on this soil. Yeah, they're, um, they're as useless as useless. As the last couple like. questions that I have for you, number one is, why do you support Donald Trump? <laughs> the, the you know, million-dollar question. Uh, we get that a lot from Persians um, or other people. Um, why do I uh, support Donald Trump? Well, first of all, before Donald Trump was – the president or became the president or even, you know, talked about running. Um, I, when I was going to school, uh, you know, for my business class, one of my business classes actually, I did a, um, uh, you know, extensive research and a paper on Donald Trump. So this was like back in 2013. So this was you way did. before all this. Yeah, I did a, you know, paper. Okay. So I knew about his family, his background, all sorts of stuff. And even his discretions, <laughs> you know, sure. I knew about all that. So when the time came, I knew, the one thing I knew is that if this man is going to lose, if he knew he was going to lose, he was not going to run. He was not going right. to put himself in that situation. And yes, a lot of people say he's a narcissist. Well, narcissism, if you channel it good, you know, in the right direction, it could help you. It could be good. Not a bad thing. 
no, it's not a bad thing if you can channel it, you know, and, you know, you can benefit from it and others can benefit from it. So I have no problem when they say, oh, Donald Trump, you know, made money. Sure, of course he made money. He also works 22 hours, a, you know, 20 hours a day. Why not, sure. you know? <laughs> so that was one of the reasons when he, uh, when he announced he was going to run, the first thing I told my husband, I said, he's going to win. And obviously, we being in California, everybody's like, no, this is already fixed. There's no way. And of course, he just kept, you know, beating every single one of them, you know, the, in the, sure. um, you know, with tech, Primaries, you know, tech yeah. crews and all that. Yeah, all that and going for the primary. And, and I just told him, I'm like, if he thought he was not going to win, he wouldn't, he wouldn't run. And the reason I support him, it's not that, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't believe that, Donald Trump is a Republican or has always been a Republican, but I think he is conservative, in, you know, with things that I want him to be conservative with. Yeah. I agree with him in, you know, 90% of what he does. There is also 10% that I don't, and I do criticize him, and that's when our site usually on Twitter gets on me, but, you know, so be it. <laughs> Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I, oh, me too, yeah. I honestly think he's a little too soft on immigration and all these, you know, illegals and all that. But, you know, that's a whole other story. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it just comes down to the fact that, you know, I trust his abilities, especially when it comes to trade and everything, you know, that has to do with that. I believe that he is strong. This is the first time in so many years that I know and I hear from people in Iran that they are afraid of America. They are genuinely afraid. Not afraid as in, oh, America's bad, but as in, this guy doesn't mess around. He's not fucking with you. No. Exactly. No. So they can, you know, liberals here can say, oh, you know, they say, you know, they, they're laughing at him. No, they're not laughing at him. They're scared because they, they can't do, they cannot bank And you're them, hearing you know? this inside of Iran. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear wow. this from people that are working in government positions right now in Iran. Wow. That, you know, that they are, when, when I say they're afraid, they know that they cannot make side deals with this guy. And Russia like is, Like they did you with know, the previous administration. Yeah, and it makes me laugh. The, the most laughable thing for me is when they say that Donald Trump is, you know, is in bed with Putin, loves Russia. Because Russia is in bed with Iran. Exactly. And, and they both hate Donald Thank Trump you. because they think that, okay, somebody's there that doesn't take crap from us. They don't like it, neither one of them. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, people want to keep saying Russia, 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 that's their choice. But it's not the way it is. You know, right, if you're a so friend a of, of Russia, listeners... you're a friend of Iran, which Donald ah, Trump is exactly. neither. Exactly. Yeah, Trump is neither. Um, Actually, I, I, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'm going to have you speak to some, a group of people that may be listening. Um, sure. What do you when, – when, because here's the thing. Uneducated and, – and I hate to use that word because uh, my father was big on education. He had two doctorate degrees. I mean, he, he, was, he was just big on education. He traveled around the country just like I did. Um, doing speeches, this and that, and I got into politics. And um, a lot of people in America, they don't know how to separate Iranian people 
from Rashida Tlaib and or Ellen Omar. <laughs> so when you hear those two names, for the people that are listening as a Persian immigrant from Iran, what is your thoughts when I, if I say Ellen Omar and Rashida Tlaib? I hate to sound this way, but this is the truth. And any Iranian that wants to challenge that, I would question their, you know, be, their truthfulness and their honesty with themselves. Because when those two names come up, the first thing that comes up is that they're Arabs. Second thing that comes up, that they're terrorists. That's any Persian person you speak to, you know, my father included, he didn't know about them. When I told, when he saw, you know, when I showed him who these guys are, and I didn't really get into the detail, didn't call them squad or any of that. The first thing he told me, he said, how do people like this ever get into American government is beyond him. That's, you know, and he was, you know, and, and I'm not trying to make accusations, but it's just how far things have changed. And trust me, not for the good, not for the better, you know. So, so you talk to Persians, um, to be honest with you, neither one of them are liked or loved, you know, unless somebody has a specific, um, you know, interest or, it, you know, they benefit from this, they wouldn't even consider them, they, they would consider them jokes, you know. Um, as far as for, like, anybody else like Ocasio-Cortez, I talked to my uncle, you know, in Iran, and he, and he has, uh, you know, he has a doctorate in actually in, you know, in math and he's a mathematician, mm -hmm. and the first thing he told me, he goes, I don't understand how a 28-year-old, uh, no, what he said, yeah, he said, I don't, I don't understand, no, 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 he didn't even say that, he didn't know that. What he said, he said, I don't understand an America that is ran by a little girl. That's what his reaction was. It's like, this is ridiculous. So they don't even take them seriously. You know, you know if, you, if, you hear, if you hear Persian government, you know, putting out tweets or saying things to, um, you know, sound like they are supporting the Democrats, it has nothing to do with the Democrats. It has to do with the fact that they are benefiting from this and the liberals are paving the way for them to do what they need to do. Otherwise, they don't like Democrats. They don't trust Democrats. They don't, you know... Uh, it's it's all personal for them. It's all for their own interest. As Persians, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah, you put a Persian. Yeah, every Persian would know we have people in NASA. There are Persians in NASA. They'll be proud. They'll be talking about it. The second you say our Congress has somebody from Palestine, they'll be like, oh, my God, what happened to the Congress? They don't say, right. oh, great, a Palestinian made it to the con Congress. They say, what happened to the Congress? <laughs> right, and that's why, that's why I ask you that question, because a lot of people that are listening – they 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 um they go to work every day. They work twelve hours. They come home and they're providing for their their family and their kids, and they're barely making it check by check. And they're trying to figure out. And this is what pisses me off about the Democratic Party is they prey on these people. 
and they prey on them by promising them, like we talked about earlier in the program, that everything's going to be for free, their health care is going to, their children are going to be taken care of, and, and there's no there's no, no more student loans, and no more, uh, they're going to, even, uh, I think it's Yang, who, who's, who's basically now made the, the stage for the debate tomorrow night in uh, New Hampshire, He's basically saying we need to give every American a basic income. Are you shitting me? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, everything that I just heard you say, the Democrats are describing the Ayatollah in Iran. And I know that people are going to take. I know people are going to take that the wrong way, especially coming from me. And I'm going to get a shit ton of emails and backlash uh, for saying that. But just listen. To what Sky? This is a lady who literally grew up in Iran. She she's not here because she uh, is paid to be here. I literally had to beg her for a month to even come on the show. So if you know me and a lot of my listeners, we have a lot of back and forth. Um, obviously, that's not on Twitter because I, I shit, I'm suspended every other day. Um, and I just saw where James uh, uh, O'Keefe has been permanently suspended uh, from Project Veritas. Um, you know, it happens. It, it, it goes on. So, so the people that on the 13 major platforms in America that are listening via iTunes, uh, via Google, via uh, uh, Spotify is a huge favorite of ours. The hundreds and thousands of people – that are listening to our program, Freedom to Classified, you've got to understand, you are listening right now to a woman who is a Persian immigrant from Iran, and you heard all the atrocities that she went through personally. I mean, when have you ever heard me cry on this program, ladies and gentlemen? Never. The day I cried. It's hard for you not to see the sequel and the events that are taking place here in America that she just described is what destroyed the country of Iran. So before you say and you put together... Um, I don't even include Ocasio-Cortez. She's, she's just, yeah. <laughs> I actually think she's going to lose. But um, when you hear people and you see in, like, the State of the Union, uh, Ellen Omar, just because she wears something over her head or Rashida Tlaib, where she originally agreed to make the trip to Israel uh, and then turned it down because – the Israeli Prime Minister, who I've met uh, twice, Benji Netanyahu, um, he basically said, listen, we'll let you come, we'll let you talk, but you're not going to go do a fundraiser for your brothers at Hamas. Now, you can take that for what you are, but – and then she declined, the, she declined to go. So if you listen to what I said, and I asked Sky. And again, we're protecting her identity and her family for this program. 
I personally, Adam Brassfield, do not even know her. I don't even know her name, period. Swear to God on my two-year-old child. And what I'm telling you is, is what we're seeing in America go on in the Democratic Party is the same damn thing that she witnessed in Tehran, Iran. You've got to start waking up, America. If you're a Democratic voter or you're an independent voter, you've got to start seeing this for what it is. When people start offering you free shit, what they're basically saying is we're ready to come in and take over your entire life. And just like James O'Keefe did with Project Veritas, he basically unearthed all of these main people with the Bernie Sanders campaign that are basically saying – we're ready to put you uh, in gulags, and and, re- and and here's a term that that you used that the Bernie Sanders campaign and every socialist and communist running on the Democratic side says is re-educate you. In other words, they're going to try and mind warp you. So, Sky, there's there's probably from what I did research on there's 12,000 Iranian exchange students in America that will probably incorporate into the number of there's roughly somewhere in the neighborhood if you split the difference from the Census Bureau there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 to a million let's just say 750,000 Iranians that are in America but here's who I want to focus on the 12,000 students that are here, you know, there may only be one that heard your story tonight. What would you say? How would you encourage and maybe make it personal? Maybe it's me or how would you talk? What would you say to me to give me hope? that there is a better future in America and or as an Iranian exchange student, this is what you fight for. This is how you do it. So, Motivate me. Motivate me. So there, there is a lot that goes into that. The first thing I want to say since, you know, um, you know, a lot. Some people know me on Twitter, and you know, obviously after this, a lot of people are going to be hearing me. Um, one thing, first thing first, is that there are a lot of Iranians in America that are supposedly liberals, right? They hate Donald Trump. They don't want to vote for Donald Trump. They, you know, probably voted for Hillary and this and that, right? And it makes you think, why? Because if you put behind what I put behind, which is the same reason they are here, why would you want that same story, you know, play here? And why do you want America to change to what you escaped from? Right? Right. And I can tell you one thing. Because um, I've actually talked to a lot of people about this. I've had cousins that, you know, unfriended me on Facebook when I was on Facebook, on Instagram, which is, you know, eventually why I came to Twitter. Is that with Persians, 
it is all personal. So the reason they don't like Donald Trump all comes down to one thing and one thing only. If their family members were able to come here and couldn't, they hate Donald Trump. If their family members were okay to come and go, like mine come and go, and have no issues regardless of the ban, which by the way is not a Muslim ban because it's only 11% of the Muslim population of the world, so that's right. not a Muslim ban. It's totally ridiculous that these you know, liars and the Congress keep repeating the same thing. Yes, and it's actually, to be honest, it is racist to keep saying that, but um, it's not a Muslim ban. So um, the ones like me whose family come and go because they've already been FBI checked, they've already been cleared, they come and go, they get visas, you know, if they have to, they get multiple visas, they come here on green card. My dad is still not a citizen, comes and goes as he pleases, no issues. Um, right. They love Donald Trump because they like everything else about him. But God forbid if somebody, you know, their friend or their daughter, you know, when it was, let's say their daughter or sister, when applied for a visa or for immigration and they were, you know, denied. Why were they denied? Well, why would, personally, this is something I told my cousin because she, she was upset, actually, one of my girl cousins, she was upset that one of our, um, you know, one of her friends, best friends, couldn't come to America. And I asked her why. She goes, because, you know, they just told her no. I said, well, does she know English? No. Does she have an education that's necessary, that necessarily can help us? No. What is her plan to come here? Oh, she just wants to come here first, you know, kind of hang out, learn things. She's going to live with me. And so I, I kind of pause, and I'm like, so she's going to come here. The, the minute they come here, they apply for some sort of, you know, program, whether, you know, if they're on visas, they go on asylum, or if they come here with green cards, the first thing they do, they look for benefits, free health care, which California is, you know, given to everybody. So why should they come here? Why should they be ahead of millions of Americans that are on the street? That's what I'd like to know. And so if Donald Trump's bad for that, bad because of it, I mean, that's just being realistic. He's not bad. He's just being realistic. We don't need people to come here and go on our welfare system. I have a family here. My kid's going to grow up here. His future is here. I'm, you know, a lot of people make these you know, comments when, you know, who paid you? But no, I haven't been paid. I came here because Twitter, like I said, or Facebook, everybody unfriended me that was liberal. Plus everybody, you know, it was family, so it was pointless. So I moved to Twitter. I don't gain from this. It's more of a, not a hobby, but now has become kind of an addiction. <laughs> Fighting for yeah. Trump has become an addiction of mine, I should say. You know, and I have, yes. um, you know, I do have a mild insomnia, so I do get on Twitter a lot, you know, and sometimes, you know, my husband tells me, it's like, just get off that damn thing, which is when I take <laughs> two, you know, days of break. <laughs> but it is very hard, and for me to stay away from it, I actually have to take the app off my phone to stay out. So I'm not paid. I'm not, you know, some Russian, you know, whatever it is they call me. I live in California. Um, you know, right now it's 3.44 p.m. on my computer. <laughs> um, and 
my issue with the immigration and with liberals, you know, especially Persian liberals, is that, listen, just because your family cannot make it here because they have nothing to offer this country, that doesn't make Donald Trump bad. And right. it's still, like I said, it's mind-boggling to me that that one issue would be an issue that you go vote for the other party based on, you know, based on, you know, just that my sister couldn't make it here. Okay, well, you know, too bad. Maybe your sister should have tried to be useful <laughs> for this country, sure. you know? Um, so as far as the 12,000 students, you say, for Persians, every, every about 85% of people, I want to say, or at least 85% of young people, every Persian would love to come to America. I, in fact, I think if you look at the population of the world, if you let everybody in, I'm pretty sure a good half of the entire world population would, would want to come to America. Why? Because yeah. of what we have. So why do they come here and want to change it, and why liberals want to change it to what everybody else is running away from? Why Ilan Omar wants to change it into Somalia? Why, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib wants to change it into Palestine? I don't understand, because nobody wants to move to Palestine. Nobody jumps over the borders to go to Palestine. Nobody jumps over borders to go to Somalia. Nobody, you know, goes out of their way and stay illegally in Iran, perhaps some, you know, Afghans, but that's a whole different story. Right. You know, but the point is, people want to come to America. There's a reason for it. The reason is the Constitution is what we've had. And Democrats want to totally dismantle the whole, the whole thing, which is where my passion comes from. I went through a lot of crap and from you know, financially, you know, monetary stuff, that things I had to pay for, and, you know, my time, energy to come here. So yes. I'm not willing to just hand it over to some, you know, ignorant liberal who thinks the whole, you know, we have to open our borders and hug everybody in. <laughs> I'm yeah. just not willing to do that because that's what I ran away from. So my first and foremost, you know, uh, mission is to help in any way I can to keep this, you know, America as it was, as it is, at least for now anyway. So with the 12,000 students, okay, 12,000 students, this is my message for them. Don't go get some liberal art degree. Don't skip to school. Don't, you know, switch to asylum, being an asylum seeker. Yes, you want to be in America, but if you do, work for it. Actually study something that benefits the country. And, and you know, the thing is, America, a lot of people, especially Americans, think this is just a cliche. Like, this is just something there that says, you know, America is a land of opportunity. For people that come from the outside, for most people, or those at least that come like me, it, it, that defines America. So if you get your damn foot you know, over the border and you get here legally and just legally, I'm not even talking about illegals because that's, I'm absolutely opposed to that. If you come here legally, work hard, there is no way that it would not pay off. You, you set your own limitations. So if there are 12,000 of them, you know, however many they are, they should come here, they should study hard, they should work hard, and they should contribute. And, and, and they shouldn't be stepping foot in, you know, in America in the second, you know, they can, or they get a lawyer to be like, oh, well, I have a right, now I have free, you know, education. No, you don't. It shouldn't, you shouldn't want to and shouldn't belong to you. 
it's not racist to say, hey, you, your family has not contributed a penny to this country, therefore you have no right to be paid free money. <laughs> Somebody else worked hard for this, and their kid couldn't make it. If their kid couldn't make it, then why should you? If there were, you know, their kids are working hard, you know, they should be ahead of you. So this, is, you know, this boggles me with, you know, Persians, Persian liberals. So, yeah, I mean, seriously, my message for them is that if you come here, come here to make it better. And I, I put out this tweet, which a lot of people call me racist for it, and you can call me racist, whatever, you know, suits you. It's not racist to say that, you know, this is a melting pot. Come and melt in it. Don't turn it into some, you know, I, the, the tweet says don't turn it into some stew version of your own stew with your third world, you know, ingredients. And the reason I say that, it's not to bash other countries, is that if it wasn't bad, if it weren't, you know, as bad as it is, then you wouldn't be here. So if you're here, don't bring your crap and make everybody, you know, want everybody to conform to what you like. You know, it's an absolute... I, I, and I can't wait to have you back on, uh, you know, when we can. But I want everybody who is listening right now, I hope you replay this a hundred times. Because out of all of the programs that, that we have done at Freedom to Classified, and yes, normally you would hear me swearing at the moon and taking down John Brennan and taking down you know, the, the left-wing party of America. But this program was very special, and I knew it was going to be. I knew it was going to be. And, and, and the reason that I say that is because, you know, as a public speaker, and I've done nearly 3,000 speaking events in all 50 states in this country, I knew after talking with Sky for over a month to even just basically get her to come out of her shell for a few minutes to, to help educate not only you, the listener, but me, but me, but me. Because I'm not an expert on the Middle East. I'm not an expert. Now, I'm, I'm a, you know, my father spoke several languages, and so I, 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 I know a lot about the Bible and what, where the – you know, how it aligns with the Middle East and, and, and Persia in itself. But a lot of people didn't know a damn thing about the country of Iran or the, uh, the people, and, I want, and I'm going to say this and it's going to sound terrible, but the originals is what I call them. I call you an original. And the people that are going through hell right now, right now in that country, they're going through hell because they – let somebody like Bernie Sanders, they let somebody like Elizabeth Warren, they let someone left-wing promising them everything free, Mayor Pete, who just came out just a few days ago and said out all of the 63 million people who voted for President Donald Trump in 2016, they're all racist. That just included an Iranian woman who found it in her soul to come on, come on our show here at Freedom to Classified. 
So here's what I want every listener to do. You know how Twitter treats me. I talk about it all the time on the show. They basically, they hate my guts. That's the reason why I stay there because that is the, that is the, it's not about how many followers you have. It's the quality of people who follow you. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, all you got to do is, is spell my name at Adam Brassfield. You can go and look at the people who follow me. A lot of the people who follow me are politicians. They are powerful people in this country, and they're powerful people in Hollywood. Here's what I'm going to beg you to do. And, Sky, I'm going to let you say the handle. I want people who are listening to, to this program, I want you to go and I want you to be educated by somebody who's been through hell and back. Her family has been through hell and back. Did you just hear what she said about her husband going to Iran, Iran three times in the, and had to be taken to a room and questioned and had to sign a piece of paper that he converted to Islam before they would ever even let him in the country. And here is a lady who's worked her ass off to the right way, not by jumping a border or swimming a river or climbing a fence, but the right way became a legal U.S. citizen and is able to give a voice to what could or could not happen if this person or this person is elected. For me, tonight I learned something in two hours that a lot of people, that, I, that I, I, I feel like it took me 30 years to learn. So I want you to join me, America, in praying for Skye's family, her entire family. She had the guts to come on this program after me begging her basically for a month. She had the guts to tell her story, the truth about the Ayatollah, the truth about the Soleimani assassination, quote-unquote. There's no reason for her to have any way to lie to you. You heard her emotion. She is a devout American legal citizen. But what she offers you and I as listeners is worth more than any barrel of gold or any barrel of oil that any person in this country can provide. And the reason I say that is if we don't do something to stop exactly what happened in Iran. In 1979, they offered them free everything, housing, gas, and this and that. What does it sound like, America? It sounds like the talking points of the Democratic Party. So, Sky, if anybody listening wants to follow you on Twitter, how do they find you? Oh, uh, <laughs> my at is skywriter4538. Um, skywriter4538. So yeah, yes, I'm not Russian. I'm not a bot. I'm not a troll. I'm not paid. <laughs> I basically just 
tell you, you know, what I know based on my experiences. You know, um, I don't usually uh, talk about topics that I'm not really well versed at, you know, or on. Um, but immigration, welfare, you know, socialism, Islam, these are all things that I have firsthand experienced. My family has experienced. Um, we've all had ups and downs. We have been lucky. There are many people that are not as lucky as I have been, so I'm, I'm blessed. And um, I appreciate every single follower I have. And if I sometimes piss you off, well, you know, you can just, you know, look at the tweet and just move on. <laughs> we don't have to agree on everything. Like, you know, we don't have to agree on everything, but, you know. Yeah. Um, well, Sky, I basically I just talk about what I, you know, what I experienced. I want to personally thank you for finally coming on. I can't wait because I know that there's going to be some discussions in the future that's going to come up with the country of Iran. Uh, no matter what happens in the 2020 elections, there's going to be something, and the people in this country are going to want to hear from uh, somebody who is so close. And, and I mean, I feel like that I literally tonight – after speaking with you, I literally feel like I have – you took me on a journey. My father always told me that your, your destination uh, or your destiny is not a destination. It's a journey. So it's something that you go through. Every single day I get up out of bed and I take a step towards my destination, towards my destiny. It's not something – once you reach your destiny, you're dead. It's over. So your journey is right here on life. And what you did for me and the, and the hundreds of thousands of people that are going to listen to this program, Freedom Declassified, you took us on a journey, and you, you poured out your heart, and I am so grateful, and I'm so thankful. And I want to tell you right now, I don't give a damn who or what listens to this program. You ever need a, a, a backup. All you got to do is call me. I guarantee you, we got your family's back. And we, me personally, and my family, my three boys, my wife, we're praying for your family. Thank you so much. And I want everybody to – oh, man, it's an honor. I want everybody to go to Twitter and find um, Skyrider. And and she goes by Sky. Um, I was really uncomfortable, to tell you the truth, of even – saying that because I want to protect her uh, but she's a warrior man she's stepping up to the plate so let's meet that America let's meet that we don't fall below that we meet that we help people who do this the right way and she and her family are doing it the right way and they deserve to be protected by us and that is my word to you so Sky hang on the line just for a second as I end this program Everybody listen to me. We're going through an amazing process in America. 2020 elections are nine months away. We've already seen what's happened with the State of the Union uh, a few nights ago uh, and everything else that's, that's happening through the prayer breakfast and, and, and the celebration of the acquittal of Donald Trump through the impeachment hearings. But let me just go ahead and tell you something. The devil is not dead. The Democrats will, as a political strategist, I can tell you this first, 
hand. They will do everything they can to take down this man and everything that he has done to fight for you and me. And, yes, you can say he has many indiscretions. You know what? I do, too. I've been married three times. For Christ's sake, I'm, I, 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 it's not like I'm, I'm perfect. But what I can tell you is this. When one factor becomes the truth, and then the second factor becomes the truth, and then you start, you, you, you start seeing a repetitive motion of what we call as conservatives, hashtag promises kept, you start understanding that there's only one choice in this 2020 race. There's only one decision that you have to make as Americans. Do you want to become Iran just like Sky portrayed to us? Because that's what the liberals want to do. Look at how they debacled the Iowa caucus. In all of the presidential campaigns that I've covered, in all of the campaigns period that I have been the chief strategist for, I have never seen a debacle like it was in Iowa. And it's likely to continue. We want to celebrate people like Skye and her family. Not only for coming here the right way in America, but embracing our values. And this woman grew up in one of the top terrorist-funded countries in the world. She's not a Russian bot. She is not a fake. I would never let anybody like that on our show. Number one, she's fighting for the same values that you and I have. And for that, she deserves protection. She deserves the American dream just like you and I have. Thank you so much for listening. Next week we have an incredible guest. I would tell you right now, but it would blow some of your minds, so we're just going to hold off on that until a few days. God bless everybody. I'm Adam Brassfield. This has been Freedom Declassified. Until I see you I really can't see you because we're talking on the airwaves, but until you hear my voice again, screw the Democrats, vote for Trump. Good night. Fire! Fire! Fire!